We'd like to do some giveaways. I've got a Starbucks gift card. I'm going to give this to Michael and Rachel. Is that right? Because they're here for the first time tonight. I know. Yeah. And they weren't afraid to sit in the front and in the middle, right? So I'm just saying, let's honor some, honor some, uh, some, some bravery. I love it. During worship, I looked over, you know, I'm trying to think, have I met them? Have I not met them? So the greet time, and so it was their, their first time, and I thought, this is fantastic, right? I mean, they came with Travis, and Travis usually sits in the front, but they could have said, you know, we don't feel comfortable sitting in the front, could we? but they were like, no, the front, middle, we're going to, right there, in the spit zone, all right, all right, somebody give them an umbrella. Hey, we're going to do uh, a couple of things tonight, and, uh, and then I'm going to share maybe direction we're going to go in, which is a little bit different on the front end than what we had planned, but, uh, but it's going to be good. So, hey, let me share a couple of stories that I got this week. Uh, one was a faith promise story, because, you know, faith promise is something that we do every year where we pray. God gives us a number, and uh, you don't put your name on the card. It's just between you and God, and we use that money to help fund missions and advance the vision of the church. And, and uh, last year, I think it was somewhere around $40,000 came in in faith promise. We're believing that's going to do that and more this year. And so, uh, so, so last weekend after service, somebody pulls me aside and said, hey, I want to tell you my faith promise story, and, but, but my husband said I shouldn't tell you the faith promise story because you wouldn't be interested because of the story that you told tonight, right? If you were here last week, we told part of our story, and uh, that was just, it, it was, there, there's a bigness to that story, and, and so this person's husband says you should, he's probably not going to be interested because his story was so excited. I was like, that's terrible advice, right? Because I, I want to hear your story, right? We want to hear your story. No matter if it's a big story or if it's a small story, I know them really well, so I was teasing him. I was like, You're, don't give your wife that kind of advice anymore, right? It's bad. We have marriage counseling here at the church. No. So, so anyways, so she was telling me this story about how if you remember when we turned our faith promise cards in, I think it was the first weekend in March, it was during a communion service, and people came up and they turned their card in. But one of the things I felt like God spoke to my heart that night was to challenge people and say, I, some of you came ready to turn in a faith promise, but I believe that God is speaking to you that, that you're believing too small. It's just something I felt like God spoke to my heart. And so, so this couple was one of those couples. They came, they, they knew the the number that they, they wanted to give, and, and, uh, and, and so the, their, her husband had said, I really think like God's speaking to us about giving a $5,000 faith promise, and she's like, that's crazy, you know, there's, there's no way that's got to be right, and so, but, but she said, hey, if this is what you feel like God is, is saying to you, then, then let's do it, right? This is the beauty of faith promise. What do you have to lose? If God is speaking to you, then if he doesn't provide it, then no one's calling you, it's not a pledge drive, and, and uh, so sure enough, they did a faith promise for $5,000, turned it in that night, and so just just a few weeks ago, uh, she's at work, and uh, one of the, the partners at the business where she works found her that day and said, hey, before you leave today, could you come to my office? We need, I want to talk to you, right? Why do bosses do that? Right? You with me? Because then you spend the rest of the day going, am I going to get fired? Am I getting a promotion? Right? Did they right, see me ding that car in the door in the parking lot last week when I didn't tell anybody? Right? And you just don't know. And, and so, so at the uh, end of the workday, she knocks on the door and, and, and she comes in and, and, the, and, the, and one of the partners says, hey, you're, you're doing an amazing job here. It's a relatively new position. In fact, you're generating so much revenue for our business that we didn't anticipate. We're not paying you enough money. So we're going to give you a raise for $5,000. I know. It's, isn't that awesome? Right? And so, so I know. I'm telling you, this is what faith promise is about. If you've not done a faith promise for this year, this is 
you're not going to have the story unless you take the step. I'm just saying. You, you might be saying, I'm not done a faith promise yet because I just, I, I'm waiting for my story to happen. And your story doesn't happen until you take that step of faith. And so, all right, so this is one I got this week. This is an email. This is for the 2020 vision. We talked a lot about that last weekend, so I'm not going to give you any background, but you can hear that on our podcast if you're interested. So um, they had sent me another email, and they tacked this on the bottom. It says, on a side note, I wanted to share my 2020 vision story. A few weeks back, when the church leadership pledged their 2020 vision gifts, God gave me a number. I usually never get a number in my mind so fast and as clear as I did this time. So with that, I placed the pledge card into the offering basket the following week. A few weeks later on a Monday, right after the leadership pledges were announced at church, as soon as I got into work, my manager called me into his office. There's a recurring theme here, right? (laughs) Called me into his office. And as I walked in, he congratulated me on the work that I had completed the prior month and presented me with a bonus check that I was not scheduled to receive, a bonus which was almost the exact amount that I had pledged the week earlier. Seeing God work like that was great, explanation point. I had already budgeted my year-round giving for the 2020 vision, right? So the 2020 vision was, we were saying, hey, it's a little bit different from Faith Promise. We're asking everybody to look at what you can afford and give something. By the end of the year, you might give monthly. So he had already reworked his budget to give by month through the end of the year to help with our 2020 vision. But, But then he gets this check. He said, it was awesome seeing God supplement and replenish what I had already set aside even before I gave it. It's, it's, it's just cool stuff, isn't it? I'm telling you, when we step into these places of trusting God with what he's speaking to us, we're going to have these, our lives are going to be filled with these stories. Our lives are going to be filled with this story. So I hope that when you have your faith promise story or our 2020 vision story, I hope you're sharing with that with us because we want to share it with the church because it stirs all of our faith. So so we're going to, you know, we're in this series, the, the super series, so we might get to this tonight and we might not. We'll see. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Because I was driving into the office earlier today. I like to get into the office just after lunch and pray and just spend time in God's presence. And, and then sometimes in those places, I feel like God speaks to me about maybe doing something a little different. And so this time I was, it was actually on the road. I was on Warwick Boulevard and I was driving uh, into, towards the office and, and I was praying about the summer series. You know, we're going to do a series this summer on the Holy Spirit. It's going to be awesome. Uh, it's going to start sometime in June and carry us all the way uh, into uh, August. Jamie and Pastor Jamie and, and Steve and I met this week and uh, did a little did a little brainstorming, started working out some of that series. And so it's just, it's in my heart. And so I was praying about that. And this is what I felt like God spoke to me as I was, I was, I was in, in the car praying about that series. I felt like God said to me, said, Fred, that, that uh, when, when you teach on the on the Holy Spirit, you teach with great confidence about these things that you believe in. And I thought, wow, that's nice, God, thank you. Make me feel good about myself, right? But then there was the but, right? When you get a but from people like that, it's, it's something good isn't gonna follow. When you get it from God, you really know something good, right? Not gonna follow. So this, this is what I felt like he said to me. So this is what he said, but, but you don't always take the time to minister to people like you believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I thought, ow, right? Because my mom said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, right? And God says, well, that's not in the Bible. She made that up, right? 
So, so, so what I want to do, I, I already had a couple of things that I felt like God spoke to me about tonight that I was going to share, which you know we often do as we're reading through the Bible in the year. There's times just right before the sermon, I'll share a couple of things that I felt like God speaks to me about things that I read about that I feel is for someone specifically that night in the service. And so I had a couple of those already, but my plan was originally just to do that. Sometimes we have you stand, and, and I'm not saying we're not ever going to do that in the future, but I, I knew tonight we were supposed to take some time to pray for people. And so I've got two things that I felt like God has spoken to me, and I'm going to share those. And Chris is going to come up and in a minute when he comes back in. He might already be in here. He's going to play the guitar for us a little bit when, when, uh, and, and, uh, when we start praying for He's Oh, he's already up there. Is he not a professional or what? Nice. All right. And so, so let me, there's a couple of things before I get into it, because I, I just want to get your heart ready for what we're going to do. I didn't know Vanessa was going to have us kneel, and I love that, because, because it kind of plays into what we're going to do. Posturing yourself matters. Posturing yourself matters. What, what you do with your physical body has such an impact to your, to your heart. And, and, and so we're going to do a few things. One is, I'm gonna, Chris is going to play, because music is spiritual. I love the stories in the Old Testament about music, especially the one where Saul was troubled and he would have David come in and play his harp and it would say it would calm him. It would calm his spirit when he was troubled. And so there's a, there's a spiritual side. We're not just doing it to be creative, artistic, and because it makes me sound better when he plays the guitar, right? It, it, it's because we believe something about music that God creates, that it, it touches us in a deep way. The other thing is that I'm going to have you come forward to respond to each one of these things that I'm I'm going to share. And you might say, why do I have to do that? Well, can't God meet me where I am? He can. He can. And sometimes he does. But in the book of James, he talks about we need to draw near to God and he'll draw near to us. And so sometimes there's moments where he says, I want you to take a step. I want you to do something. And so tonight, when I get to the end of each of the things that I'm going to share, if you want prayer for that, I'm going to have you come and just stand right up here. Another thing that I'm going to do is that I always have some anointing oil with me. And, uh, and so I'm going to bring this out. And it might be that you've never seen that before. There's nothing magic. It's not special. It's just some olive oil. And, uh, and we use that because the Bible from beginning to end just talks about how oil represents the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and so sometimes when we pray for you, we just just a sign of the cross on your forehead just a little bit. You're not going to break out. Nothing weird's going to happen to you, right? All the teenagers, don't put any oil on my forehead, please, right? And so there's a clear seal wash on, no, I'm just kidding. And so, so it, it's because it, it reminds you of something that God wants to do on the inside. You with me? It's a symbol. It's a symbol, and symbols are powerful for us in our society. And then another thing that I'm going to have is going to happen is that when you come up, there are some leaders will be here, but if, if you're not a leader, don't, don't come up, because we want people that we know and trust, and because and, uh, you might not know that, but we're going to have them stand next to you, and maybe put, and they're going to put their hand on their shoulder. And, and what's that about? Because, because there's something happens in our heart when we know that someone is standing for us is that I love the story in the Bible where, the, where the, the man comes to Jesus for prayer and Jesus says, do you believe? And he says, I believe, but I, I need you to help me with my unbelief. All of us have unbelief. And, and when someone stands with us, even if you don't know who they are, it, it just, faith begins to well up in your heart. 
And I, and I like this idea of, of the Bible talks about laying on of hands. Now, that's another sermon for another time, as all of these points are. But one of the most powerful parts of the laying on of hands is it reminds you that there is a hand from heaven that you can neither see nor feel with your physical body that's also touching you in that moment. And so when people are praying for me and they put their hand on me, I think about how God's hand, the creator of the universe, his hand is on me in that moment. And so, Father, as we just step into these two moments tonight, I know all of us came here tonight expecting one thing, but that's some of the moments where you do your greatest works in us because you just catch us off guard. Catch us off guard tonight, God. Catch us off guard. And may it be by the power of your Holy Spirit at work in us tonight that we would leave here a little bit different than when we came. All right, so this text is out of Mark chapter 6. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there, or you can swipe there, or however you want to get there, or you can just listen. If you would rather do that, it's fine too. Uh, Mark 6, I'm going to start reading in verse 45. Now, this is following after the feeding of the 5,000. It was 5,000 men alone. So many people estimate that that crowd could have been in excess of some 15,000 people. So this is after the feeding of the 5,000. It says immediately after this, that's what the this is referring to, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida. And while he sent the people home. Now after telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray, which he often did. He would go off by himself, he would pray all night, and then he would meet up with the disciples in the morning, and then they would continue on the work of the ministry that they had planned for that day. Late that night, Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves, and about three o'clock in the morning, right? So they've been rowing for hours. We know that Jesus is divine. He knows what's going to happen. So he insisted that they get into this boat, knowing full well that they were going to find themselves into this storm, that they were going to be rowing all night, and, and, and they, were, they were actually facing death. It was so perilous, right? And so at about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water, which is pretty cool, just by itself. Are you with me? Walking on the water. This is the part that I love that people just tend to, tend to forget. He intended to go past them. That's, that's scary Jesus, isn't it? He, he, he insists that you get in the boat. He knows that you're going to get into a storm. He knows that it's going to be bad enough that you're, on the, you're, you're facing death itself. And he intends to just pass you by. Wasn't even planning on stopping but when they saw him walking on the water, right? You see this playing out. Is that Jesus over there? Is he walking by me like he doesn't know me? Right, you've done that all the time. You're in Walmart or wherever and you see somebody and you know that they know who you are. And, and they just, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, I know they're not planning to walk out of the store without coming over and say hi to me, right? So here are the disciples. They know, Jesus knows that we're about ready to die here and he doesn't even look like he cares or is gonna stop. But when they saw him walking, they cried out in terror, thinking it was a ghost. 
They were all terrified when they saw him, but Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I am here. Then he climbed into the boat. Now Mark's account doesn't give us the story of Peter walking on the water because Mark had heard Peter tell it, I'm sure, so many times. He was tired of hearing it, right? And so he just skips that part and says, you know, then he sends his gospel to Peter just to irritate him. I'm sure that happened. I'm just making that up. All right, then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped. This is, he climbs in the boat, immediately the storm stops. I mean, the storm stopped. And they were all totally amazed. For they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves, right? So they're just still reeling from the feeding of the 5,000. Listen to what it says. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. See, there's two parts of the story that are so powerful. One, that Jesus was going to pass them by, and at the end he says their hearts were just too hard to take it in. Take in the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, taking in this idea of Jesus walking on the water, taking in his power over the waves, taking in what they had just witnessed about Peter walking on the water, and then Jesus saving him as he sank, and he was crying out. And, and see, sometimes Jesus asks us to go into places and in circumstances and in situations that are beyond us, not because he does not care, but because he knows that we suffer from a heart that's a little too hard. And he knows that the way that our heart begins to get softened toward him is to come to a situation that's beyond our humanity where we become desperate for him and for his intervention and for his power. And so Jesus didn't send them in there because it was a practical joke. He didn't send them in there because he didn't care because he wanted to, he's this cruel uh, rabbi, wanted to teach these people, right? He sent them in there because he knows that he's going to be leaving soon and he's got to make them ready to birth the church. That they have a calling on their life to reveal to the world who he is, the son of the living God. And so he's got work to do. And sometimes that work isn't fun. Sometimes that work is hard. He wanted those hearts to be soft so that when they eventually, as you move through time and history in a couple of years, when they find themselves in the upper room and it's time for the Holy Spirit to come and fill their hearts and birth the church, that they would be ready. We like Acts chapter 2. We don't like Mark chapter 6. But we've got to walk through Mark chapter 6 if we want to experience Acts chapter 2. This is the other thing I felt like God was speaking to me about this story is that sometimes, including myself, is that when we don't see the results that we're looking for, when we don't see the results that we feel that we should be getting, we begin to decrease our effort to match the results that we see at the moment. See, they're, they're rowing in this boat, and they're working hard, and they're trying to get to the other side. And if they had allowed their effort to match the results they were getting in the moment, right, they probably would have sank. And for many of you, and sometimes for me, we feel like we're doing the thing that God has asked us to do, like the disciples in the boat. But we're not seeing the fruit and the results that we feel like we deserve because of the effort that we're putting forth. And the temptation that the devil brings to us, the whisper in our ear is, well, if you're not, you're doing all this work and you're not getting any results, you could work a lot less and get those same results. But the principle of the kingdom is that our effort is not supposed to match the results we're getting into the moment. Our our effort is supposed to match our vision. Our, Our effort is supposed to match what we hope to see accomplished. 
right? We're talking with married couples. A lot of times they, they, they're in a place of crisis, and one of the reasons why they're in a place of crisis is because they stopped trying, and one of the reasons why they stopped trying is because they've stopped getting results, and so they begin to match their effort to the results, and then all of a sudden, you shouldn't be surprised that you're not getting any better because you've stopped trying. You have to be willing to work and put forth the effort, even if there seems to be no fruit, because your effort matches your vision. So this is the first group of people I want to pray for tonight, is if you're here and you feel like, that you feel like that the effort that you're putting forth is not getting the kinds of results that you feel like you deserve, I want to pray for you tonight that you would persevere that you would continue on, that if you feel a little bit like that you're in this boat, and it might not be a storm, it might not be a crisis, it might be that in your job you feel like you're working a lot harder than the recognition that you're getting. It, it might be, it might be a situation in your family that you're parenting a lot harder than the fruit that you're seeing in your kids. You with me? It could be, it could be in, your, in, in a ministry that you're involved in. It feels like you're just trying a lot harder than the results that you're seeing. I remember, in, you've heard me tell this story many times, I remember in, in, uh, in May of 2009, we had just been in this building just for a few months, just for a, a few months, and, and, we, and I left the service, and, and, and the, the attendance that night was, was like, I don't know, like 90 people or something. And, uh, and our churches, between both campuses now, was four times that, four times that. But that night it wasn't, you with me? And, and I remember leaving that night discouraged, and I remember having this thought. Well, if this, is, if this is the result, I could work a lot less and get the same result. See, because that's the temptation of the enemy. And I remember God just bringing some correction to my life that night and just challenging me and saying, Fred, if, if, if you allow your effort to match your result, the result is never going to change. It's never going to change. You, you've, you've got to stop worrying about the empty seat and start ministering to the full seat, full seat. Right? And just, just a few years later, right? Now we're getting ready to launch our third campus. I'm telling you, I've walked in those places. I'm preaching to myself tonight. And, I, and I'm talking to you. I've, I've been in those same places where it just feels like the results are not there. And so I'm just going to invite you, if that's you. I know, I know it takes a little bit of courage to come up here. I know it takes a little bit of courage to be conspicuous. But can I just say, come on, sometimes that's part of the journey. It's just part of the journey. So just come, just stand right here and I'm just gonna anoint you with oil and then I'm gonna pray for you. And so just anoint you with oil, just symbol of the Holy Spirit. If you're a leader, just come pick somebody to stand with. Anoint you with oil, just symbol of the Holy Spirit. Anoint you with oil, just symbol of the Holy Spirit. Just anoint you with oil, just symbol of the Holy Spirit. Anoint you with oil, just symbol of the Holy Spirit. Anoint you with oil, just symbol of the Holy Spirit. If I haven't anointed you yet, help me out. I know you with oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Just keep it up until I get to you. I know you with oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I know you with oil tonight is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I know you with oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I know you with oil, same as a symbol of the Holy Spirit.
Father, we stand in this moment tonight and we say we believe in the power of the spirit that you have put into this world. We believe in the power of your spirit that you have put into us. We we believe in the work that the Holy Spirit can do in us that no one else can. We, We believe in the work of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, that you can do in us that we would never be able to do ourselves. Holy Spirit, we know that there is a work we have to do. We know that there's rowing to be done. We know that there's effort that needs to be brought to the moment, but we know that there is a strength that you put in us that helps us to keep going until we see Jesus passing by. And so, Father, for every person that's standing up here right now, Father, I pray, I pray that they would, even now in this moment, that they would feel a strengthening inside of themselves that is not of this world to persevere, to press on, to continue. And that, Father, if their vision has begun to wane, if it's begun to fade, if it's begun to die because the effort and the work and the labor that they keep finding themselves in just feels like it's too much and it's begun to overshadow the dream that you've placed in their heart, Father, I pray that that vision would shine bright tonight for them. The dream that they have for themselves, for their marriage, for their work, for whatever their situation, for their ministry, for their calling, for their destiny. And God, that there would be a strengthening that would well up inside of them. That there would be a courage of conviction that would be imparted to them. That there would be something supernatural. That you would bring some Acts chapter 2 into their Mark 6. And that God, that on the horizon of their tomorrows, that they would begin to see the fruit of their labor. That they would begin to see the fruit of their effort. That you, even if it's just supernaturally, even if it's not something that you're going to give them in their tomorrows soon, but just give them a glimpse of what's to come. Give them a peek behind the veil. Give them a peek behind the curtain. Help them see once again what they're working towards. And may it be, oh God, that they would press forward with a determination and a strength that if there were to be another Bible that would ever be written, and we know that it's not, but if there were, that their story would be right in the middle of it as a lesson for us all. Come on, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, how about clapping for some courage? All right, you can wander back to your your chair. Let's do one more. You want to do one more? Thank you, Nathaniel. It's good where God just steps in, isn't it? I think sometimes, you know, it's wrong for us to manipulate, but for God, he's the sovereign creator of the universe. He can do what he wants. And I'm glad for that. Because sometimes we have a sense that it's going to be a, you know, a big night and, you know, we, we, we put stuff out on social media to try to let you know what's going to be happening. And, and, uh, and, and I think that's a good thing. I think sometimes God waits till the last minute because he knows that if we had put all of this out there, some of you here tonight, you might not have come. And so God tricks you into being here. 
which is good, which is good. All right, this one comes out of Ezra. Ezra and Nehemiah are powerful books in the, in, in the Bible because this is the, the, the people of, of God, Israel, coming back out of captivity. Right? You, you, you think about when you read about David and Solomon, you think about the, the golden years of a nation. Right, There was a time in Israel's history where the, the greatest leaders of the land would come to Israel just to see the splendor of this nation. You know, it, it talks about how kings would come to sit with Solomon just to learn from his wisdom. And they, would, they, they, they came with an expectation of being awed. And, 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 and there's these amazing stories in the Bible that tell us they left even more more awed than they thought they would be just because of the wonder and the majesty of this great nation. And, and so you, you keep more moving forward through history and time, and then all of a sudden it gets to a place where Israel's almost forgotten. It's destroyed. Cities are in ruin. The, the people have been swept away into captivity. People often forget. I was talking to somebody about it just this week. Jeremiah 29, 11 is so, so, such an often quoted verse, right? For people, I know the plans I have for you, right? Plans to prosper you. And it's a beautiful verse, and it is a great verse. And it should be used a lot. But what people forget is that that was a prophecy that was spoken as they were being led away into captivity, right? It's a prophecy that, that was, 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 was where God was saying, I, I have plans to prosper you. And they're like, it doesn't feel like it right now. You with me? And they were being led away into decades of captivity. Not just a couple of years, decades, decades of captivity. And so when you get to Ezra and Nehemiah, you're at a place in Israel's history where, where, where kings are beginning to send some people back to try to begin to rebuild, to try to, to restore something of these people, of this great nation. And so Ezra was a priest and a, and a prophet that was a part of this effort and a part of this journey. And then Nehemiah was as well. In fact, they ministered together as contemporaries of one another at the same time. And there's just, there's, there's a powerful picture in there of how it takes both leadership and, and prophetic stirrings to build a church. And we believe that here, right? but I'm going to get off track. So that's another sermon for another time. All right, this is, this is Ezra. So they've, they've, they've laid the foundation of a new temple. Laid a foundation of a new temple. Verse 12 says, But many of the older priests and Levites, it's been about 50 years since, since the, the Jerusalem was destroyed. It says, but many of the older priests and Levites and other leaders who had seen the first temple wept aloud. They've been working, laboring. They finally got the foundation, right? They can begin to see what's going to be built and what's going to be created. And, and, and it says that the older priests and Levites and other leaders, they, they just wept when they saw it because they had been there before. They had seen it in its splendor. Listen to what it says. The others, however, were shouting for joy. Were shouting for joy. Verse 13, it's such a powerful picture, is it not? The joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in a loud noise that could be heard far in the distance. Right? It's as if you were to take a funeral and a wedding and put them together. 
It would be if you can think of a funeral that you've attended where your heart was so broken for the person that had passed. And there was just, there was crying and there was mourning, right? Think of that moment. And then think of a wedding that you went to where you're cheering, right? You're excited, right? That these two people, they found each other and they love each other and there's dancing and celebration, right? You think about you putting those two moments together at the same time, both of those crowds, how awkward that would be, how almost seemingly inappropriate that it would feel, how conflicted it would be, that's the story, and it really happened. It really happened. They were weeping and wailing and moaning because they realized that what was going to be would not ever be anything close to what once was. And the people that were jumping and shouting, they only saw the ruins. They had never seen the former glory. And they were shouting, not out of disrespect, not, not out of any, any type of insult to the older generation, like they didn't get it, or, right? It's, it's because the they, only thing that they knew was ruin, they had been born into slavery, they had been born into captivity, they had been set free, right? They had, they had been given their freedom and an opportunity to rebuild a nation that they loved. And they were so excited about what was going to happen. They were so excited about the opportunity to be a part of seeing something reborn and rebuilt. So this is what I feel like that for some of you here tonight, and it might be that you come up for both, that's, and that's okay. You can come up. You can come up for both. It might be that you're coming up. You don't even know why you're coming up. That's okay too, right? You just come. If you feel like God is tugging on your heart. That feeling of, God, of, of, of moving on your heart, it's a powerful feeling. I was thinking about Mount Ryland, is, who was just baptized just recently. When you came up out of the pool at the YMCA, there was this expression on his face that was so full of emotion, right? It's not crying. It's, it's fullness, right? That's the only word I can think to describe it. And, 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 and that feeling is the feeling of the presence of God in our life. It's, it's, it's indescribable, isn't it, Ryland? It's just, it's, it's unbelievable. And some of you, you're going to feel that tonight when it comes time to come up here, and you don't even know why you're feeling it. And I would say for the rest of your life, when you feel that, you make you do whatever you feel like God's asking you to do. You can trust him. Even though he tricks us sometimes, you can trust him. <laughs> so some of you, you're here tonight, and you're, you're both of these people. You're both people. You've, you've faced real loss, and you've walked through real tragedy. It could be in your marriage. It could be with your children that you've raised. It could be in your workplace. It could be something in your character. It could be something that's been no fault of your own. It could be that people have just taken advantage of you, like our story that we shared last weekend. But you've experienced real loss, real loss, and, and it's real pain. And you have every right to weep, and you have every right to mourn, and you have, you have every right to cry over what is compared to what it one, once was. I really felt like it was for some of you who have, have children, adult children, who you're asking yourself the question, how did we get here? Because you remember what it was like when they were little and, 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 and everything just seemed perfect and now you're at a place where everything seems, couldn't be farther from perfect. And there's a real weeping and a mourning and a grieving that's taking place. And, and, what, and this is what I want to pray for you today because this is what I feel like God is saying to you tonight. You have to make a decision. 
You have to choose. You can stay in this. It doesn't mean that the weeping in the morning that you've done is wrong because it's not wrong and it was not wrong for them. But if you continue to read in Ezra and you get to Nehemiah and you keep, what you realize is that these older Levites and these older priests, they had their moment of crying, but then they rolled up their sleeves and they got busy. Building for a generation and for a result that they would never receive, but they wanted to give it to them. They had their moment of grief. But then they said, it's time to build for the future. We know it's never going to be as good as what it was, but it's going to be something. And the something that it can be can be a whole lot stinking better than what it is right now. And so if you're here tonight, if you're here tonight, his, he just is on cue, right? Isn't it just every time it comes right in? If you're here tonight, and you would say, Fred, I'm that person. I've, I've been doing some crying, but I know it's time for me to start building again, to start working again. To, to say, I know it's not probably ever going to be what it was, but it can be more than what it is right now. It can be more than what it is. It can be more than what it is right now. If that's you, and you would have the courage to say, I'm in a situation like that, I'm just going to invite you to come. Just do the same thing. Just line up right here. Just going to anoint you. You can get a double dose if you want to. Come on. It's good. Just come on and stand on up. Anoint you with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Symbol of the Holy Spirit. Know you with all tonight as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Know you with all as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Know you with all as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So know you with all as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I haven't got you yet because it's hard to see who's praying and who's standing. I know you with all force as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Keep your hand up so I can see you. Stick it up high so if you're worshiping or right? I know you with all as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I know you with all as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I know you with all as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I know you with all as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I know you with all as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I know you with all as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I know you with all as a symbol of the Holy Spirit twice because you're two people. Come on, Jesus. Did I miss anybody? Miss anybody? Anybody else? This is going to be the last one we do. If you just want to come. Anybody else just want to come and jump in? No? All right. There you go. Come on, Shanika. Just like we read last week, Father, about the story of David, sometimes we weep until we can weep no more. Father, sometimes the pain that we feel in this life, it's, 
it's more real than any words could ever express because the loss is real and the, and the pain is more than we can bear and we look at what sometimes it's just our even just our own life we're just disappointed in ourselves and the, and the life that was is not what it is today. And it just feels as though sometimes we're, we're standing in ruin. And Father, what, one of the things I, I love about the story that you've just showed us tonight in Ezra is that, is that, is that in that story, what, what made something of tomorrow possible and better is that there was no one there by themselves. They stood together. And so, Father, for every person that's in this line right now, Father, I pray that they would be willing to plant their lives deep and firmly into a church family that's going to rally to them, stand with them, whether it's here or somewhere else, God, that they would not stand alone. That the only way that a new foundation for a better tomorrow and a new future is ever going to get laid, God, is if people are laying it with them working with them and I pray God that there would be even in the midst of their sorrow even in the midst of their weeping I pray that a song would begin to come alive in their heart that a dance would begin to stir inside that there would be a, a, a celebration even if it's just like the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel with the coming of a storm it began with a cloud the size of a man's hand and that's if it's just the joy and the celebration that's just a cloud the size of a man's hand let it start there and oh God let it be that it would grow and, and the celebration would consume them like a summer storm and that when people come and ask them why how how could you be so filled with joy in the midst of this circumstance that they would have a story that they could tell about a Saturday night in May where they wandered forward to the front of this little church and someone prayed and something of God was birthed in them because Father we know that outside of these walls is a world that is desperate to know and feel and experience and see the power of your Holy Spirit and let it be for each of us. Father, it's not just the work that you want to do in us. It's the work that you're going to call us to do. And we know that's part of the power of the story that we read about in Mark chapter 6, that they were to be a part of revealing something to the world. There was something that they were supposed to carry. Father, find us faithful in carrying the deposit of the power of your spirit in us. Help us to not be afraid to share our story of the power of the work of your spirit in us as you create those opportunities for us. And God, let it be that when the devil comes and he tries to remind us of how great it once was and how bad it is now that we would have this moment that we could remember that's more real than the temptation of his lie, that's more real than the temptation of his whisper that's even more real than the reality of our tragedy God that there is the promise and the hope for a future and give us the courage give us the discipline give us the strength to begin to do the hard work to begin to do the heavy lifting and when we feel like we can't go anymore that we're going to look around and see a whole church full of people that are there to build alongside 
In Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said together. Amen. Amen. Hey, stand with me. The worship team's going to come back up. and We're going to close with a song. I was going to say we'll be back in the series next week, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Father, as we step into the song, you can come on up. I'm just going to pray where you're coming. As we step into this moment of worship, Father, I, I pray for some of the people that are here tonight, their celebration would start now. Their celebration could start now. That there would be a, a, a dancing that would come deep in their hearts. Like Ryland coming up out of the waters of his baptism, there would be a fullness that, that they would feel. Father, your spirit, the power of your spirit, there's nothing like it. There's just nothing like it. Jesus, the, the same power that, that raised you from the dead, that's what's in us. Father, when we read in the book of Genesis how there was only darkness and chaos and, and, and your spirit began to hover over all of that and life was, that, that's in us. That's in us. All the amazing stories that we read about of prophets and works that were done in the New Testament, apostles and, and evangelists and things that were accomplished. We read about these amazing stories and so, I think sometimes we forget. I know I forget, God. That, that same spirit, it's in us. It's in us. Oh, God, that we would live in your spirit, that we would walk in your power. Come on, let's worship together. You make me brave.